preach on the power of a servant's heart using the office of a deacon well. The power of a servant's heart. So let's go to the throne of grace and ask Lord to help us here tonight. Boy, it's a, it's a thrill. We appreciate you being here tonight so very, very much. I'm going to ask Brother Jeff Ewan if he would to lead us to the throne of grace. Yes. Amen. Turn if you would to John chapter number 13, page 1134. If you've got a Schofield King James Bible, page 1134, John chapter 13. Put your finger there and just hold it. We'll get there in a little while, all right? John chapter 13, John chapter 13. When you get there, just, put, just hold the Bible right there. And uh, I promise you, we're going to get there here in just a little bit, all right? Oh, my goodness. Good to be here. Good to have you, Miss Sally. Appreciate you being here. I, I never, I remember as a little boy being in Nikers Grove Baptist Church, her and Buck being there every service and faithfulness. You know, now that I'm uh, an older individual, I'm uh, not going to call myself an old man. Praise God, I, I'm not going to get old. I'm getting better. And, uh, but oh, how much I look back and appreciate those things. Sometimes we fail to tell folks how much I appreciate. I appreciate Miss Sally, you being faithful. You and Buck being faithful. And uh, I do. All right, I'm getting an echo there. All right. First Timothy chapter 3.13. You'll need not turn there. It's already been read. And they that have used the office of a deacon whale purchased to themselves a good degree, great bonus in the faith which is in the Lord in Christ Jesus. There is something about using the office and doing the office of a deacon well. Tonight as we ordain Brother John, we know him as Zeke Legee, as a deacon of Solid Rock Baptist Church. The Bible is very clear about why we have deacons in the first place. In Acts chapter 6, and you heard in your reading, in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Part of the congregation was being neglected. The Greek-speaking Jews in the early church believed that the Aramaic-speaking Jews were treated differently and getting attention and being cared for. And all of a sudden, the situation revealed that the need within a church's organizational structure... And the apostles came up with this wonderful, wonderful plan. They said, you know, fellas, it's, we know there's a problem. We know there's an issue. It's not me that we're to stop our praying, our studying, our reading the Word of God and, 
in preaching the apostles of that day were, if you will, the pastors of that day. It's not neat for us to be able to do this. Now, let me just stop and say this. The thought there being not that they didn't want to. I don't know about other pastors. I can only speak for myself. I so love serving our church. I'd rather serve than preach any day. I'd rather serve than anything else I know of. I love serving. But tonight as we think about this thing, they said, you know, we, we simply cannot, we simply cannot do those things and do them both. And so what we would like is for you to set aside seven men full of the Holy Ghost and put them over this business. And so they went about choosing those seven men and I'm glad I had Matthew reading that. Those names are hard to, uh, to say sometimes. And yet those seven men become great men of God. Later on you'll read where Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, began to preach my soul. And of course we also realize he'd become the first martyr. And so we realize that God used this. And you say, well, did, it, did, it, did the plan work? In Acts chapter 6 verse 7, the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I would say, hallelujah, it worked. The plan worked. Now, where did the apostles run the plan? Did they just have a good day and good thought? Where did they learn the plan? Well, I believe as we begin to read the Word of God, we begin to realize where they learned this great truth. In John chapter number 13, now I'll just read two verses, but we're going to get to all of them. Verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. You drop down to verse 15, he makes this statement. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. As I have done to you. The Lord's actions here display like nowhere else the heart of a servant. Even though Zeke specifically we are ordaining you, so it applies to you tonight. May I say to all the men we have and deacons and deacons' wives and Brother Ronnie and myself and a Sunday school teacher and the bus worker and the one that takes up the offering. The one that cleans the church. The one that does whatever you do. It is necessary that you have the heart of a servant. If it is done well, if it is done well, a deacon as no words else can serve and put on display the heart 
of a servant. I love this. President Ronald Reagan was dying. George and died, and George H. Bush done the was his vice president during his administration. And he was asked to give the eulogy, and and he told the story of how in 1981 Ronald Reagan was recovering from a gunshot wound that almost took his life during an assassination attempt. Just days after the surgery, one of his aides walked into the room to discover he's on his on his hands and on his knees, wiping up water from the floor. When the aide rushed over to ask him what he was doing, he said, I was worried my nurse might get in trouble. That might be the reason he'd become one of our greatest presidents. The story illustrates one of the greatest characteristics of our Lord and Savior that he ever displayed. As a matter of fact, the story is so incredible and amazing and astounding. It revolves a towel, a basin of water, and stinking dirty feet. Let me set the stage for this scene. It's Thursday night. Before Good Friday. In less than 24 hours, Jesus will give His life for whosoever will. Less than 24 hours, He'll be placed on, He'll be, He'll be beaten as no man has ever been beaten. A cross put on His back and led to a hill called Calvary. They are nailed to an old rugged cross, all along having me in mind. Smell of betrayals in the air. Shadow of death is hanging over his head. Jesus has got the weight of the world, and in a little while, he'll enter into a garden and find himself, and he'll leave some apostles. And go a little further. I was walking the other day. I was thinking about this message. I was thinking, he's still going a little further. He's always went a little further with me than he should have. I ought to be in hell, but he's always went a little further with me than what he should have. He's always uh, going a little further for me in forgiveness and helping me. He goes a little further and he, he cries and he said, Lord, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And now don't miss this. This cup was a sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl that would ever be born. Every murder, rapist, homicide, every sin you could imagine was in that cup. He said, but not my will, but thy will be done. In just a little while, with the weight of the world on his shoulders, he's thinking about dirty feet. Story may be the most single amazing picture of the Son of God in the, in the Gospels. 
Because no self-respecting Jew, no self-respecting Jew would wash feet. But don't miss this. It's not a story about people's feet. It's a story about a person's heart. Zeke, I, I, I love the answer. I've never had this given, but it's a great answer. Zeke, what do you think a deacon is? And he said, a heavy-duty servant. Pretty good answer. Pretty good answer. But Zeke, Sodom Baptist Church doesn't need your hands. Sodom Baptist Church doesn't need your strong back. Sodom Baptist Church doesn't need your feet. Sodom Baptist Church needs your heart. If you give your heart to be a servant, he'll get you feet, a strong back, and your hands. He'll get all the rest of you if he gets your heart. I find as we think about using the office of a deacon well, Zeke, it's about having a servant's heart. Jesus, he spent three and a half years teaching a group of men. And those group of men would later turn the world upside down for the glory of God. They heard him preach many messages. They heard him speak on many occasions. They watched as he performed miracle after miracle. They got front row, some of them got front row seats as he raised the dead. And some got to see the miraculous hand of God as no one else did. But the last thing that he would do with this group of men before Calvary becomes the most important thing he will ever do for them. He's wanting their heart. The last illustration, the last message he will give them. And he says in verse 15, I'm giving, hey fellas, are you getting it? I'm giving you an example of what I want you to do and how you carry on when I'm gone back to heaven. If there's anything that we do as we serve God is this, we're doing His business till we all get to heaven where He calls us to the house. And so how did he do that? Number one, it was a surrender of his power. In John chapter 13, now when the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world into the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Jesus knew his hour had come for him to leave this world. Devil had already prompted Judas, the son of uh, the the Judas Escar, to to betray him. He knew the time. He knew his journey's about over. He's going to be betrayed, arrested, tried, tortured, marked, scars, ridiculed, crucified. He's 
It's going to die and it's not going to be pretty. The Bible says, and knowing, and knowing, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, he was come from God and went to God. At that moment, God transferred all authority to him, gave him everything. My, what a position, what will he do? He's got everything under his power now. He could have said, don't miss this. He could have said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Father, I'm not dying for that bunch of rebels. He could have said, he could have stopped the arrest. He could have stopped the trial. He could have stopped the crucifixion. He could have come down off the cross. He's totally in charge. And he has all power. So what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to command with great authority? Is a deacon a, a deacon to be somebody that runs the church and runs the pastor? Is that what a deacon is? Some areas, that's what it is. But let me tell you what he did. And rising from supper, he laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Now, here's what, here's, this towel's not big enough, I'll assure you of that. <laughs> but what he did was he took off his outer garment and he took a towel and and wrapped it around himself. And he began to step stoop before them, loose the sandals off their feet, and get a basin of water and began to wash their feet. You're talking about a surrender of power. There never has been in history a greater surrender of power than what was done right there. My, could you imagine? I believe he went to John first. The Bible doesn't tell us. So, you can be wrong if you want to. I think he's John. John was closest. He loved him. And uh, that's what I think. When we get to heaven, you'll find out I'm probably right. I believe he got to John. He slipped off that old dirty sandal. Maybe no sandals at all. He may have took him off at the door, but his feet's dirty and, and, and dusty from the walk because they didn't have nothing but shoe leather express or donkey. And trust me, none of those things are good to walk in. No doubt as he began, I wonder what John thought. I wonder if John didn't just weep. I went, John thought, my God, why is he doing this? Maybe John thought, why hadn't I done this first? Why hadn't I done this first? Why hadn't I done this? Oh, don't miss this. He lays aside. He washes your feet. He did two things that become a great lesson. Lesson number one. He took off the outer garment. 
took off his outer garment. And what he would do was this. As he took off his outer garment and he put on this towel, he was the symbol of a slave. Slaves didn't have outer garments to wear. Slaves would gird on a towel. Here's what he was saying. I've come to serve you. He did something else. He surrendered his power. Jesus was saying, though you know I have got all the power and you don't, by girding on that towel, he's saying, I'm going to be, I, I, I've got all power. And Zeke, tonight, you've got the power. You don't have to serve. Nobody can give you a servant's heart or make you do anything. Here's the, here's the truth. He surrendered his power and become a servant. He literally got lower than dirt. Jesus is not only king, but he's king of kings. Jesus leaves the throne room for a linen closet. Jesus, the sovereign of the universe, had become a servant to the disciples. You know what? Every one of you, you are in authority over someone. Mom and dad, you have power over your children. Store manager, you have power over your employees. Owner, CEO of a company. A captain, a coach, a principal, a teacher. Some, everybody has a power over somewhere. And whatever authority and influence you have, God didn't give it to you to use for, God didn't give it to you to use for yourself. God gave it to you to be a benefit to others. And when no one else, can I, can I remind you, no one else here has picked up the towel. Can I remind you here, they've done eating supper. May I remind you, no one else has volunteered. When no one else should take a towel, I will. I will. But no one else should take a towel. A deacon that uses the office of a bishop, the one that uses the office of a deacon, well, will. A Sunday school teacher, will. A servant of Jesus, will. See, it is, you say, but preacher, that, what's that? That means this, you give when others take. That means you stand when others sit. You speak up when others remain silent. You serve when no one else will. So they were looking in a mirror. Jesus was looking through a window. They were focusing on themselves. Jesus was focused on them. They were looking out for number one, but Jesus was looking out for number one, two, three, four, all down through to number twelve. So it's a surrender of your power. Number two is to serve other people. There's a hidden reason why these disciples had not weighed on each other and why Jesus had to give them this lesson. In Luke chapter 22, there was a strife also among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Here's God's very best. 
Here's God's very best. Men He'll use to turn the world upside down. And guess what they're doing? They're arguing about who's going to be top dog. That's what they're arguing about. Jesus is facing Calvary. Guess what they're arguing about? Who's going to be number one in the group? Jesus is about to die for the sins of mankind. And guess what they're arguing about? On who's going to get the best seat in the house? Who's going to get the title? Who's going to get the position? You say, preacher, that that don't apply here. Praise God, it don't. But there's a whole lot of places it does. In reality, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto them, The king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and they exercised authority unto them that are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve whether it's greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Years ago, we were at a meeting in 4th of July at Ralph Sexton Sr.'s church in a meeting. And we happened to get in line to get lunch. Lord, this has been so many years ago. And he happened to be in front of us. And that man taught me a lesson I'll never forget. He reached over and got a plate. He handed it to, to, to uh, Darlene. She was in front of me. He got another plate. He handed it to me. Then got his own plate. He got, we got to whatever they were serving there. He reached over. He said, man, put your plate over here. And he dipped it out. He served both of us while he was going through the line. I'll never forget that. He's a pastor of Trinity Baptist Church. He's one of the greatest ministries in western North Carolina. He's just serving us. I'll never forget it. See, I can imagine the disciples saying, said, Peter, why don't you wash feet? I can't believe. I, I can't because I, I keep one of them feet in my mouth all the time. James, how about you? I, I don't do feet. I don't do feet. Okay, Andrew, what about you? I clean fish. I don't clean feet. Bartholomew, would you like to do it? Dirty dirty feet make me sick. (laughs) Matthew, it's up to you. I don't do... Me? I work for the IRS. I don't wash dirty feet. I tax them. Judas... Would you do it? Boy, I would. But boys, I'm late for an appointment. I'm late for an appointment. And all of a sudden, when everybody else gave a reason why they couldn't serve, I see the hands of a holy Son of God reaching for the towel, getting a base of water, sitting over in the kingdom, Stooping down and beginning to wash feet. Jesus does for them what they were not willing to do for Him. You know why I ought to have, the, have, a, have a servant's heart? Because He had a servant's heart for me. That's why. 2,000 years later, it's not changed. We still don't ask the same questions Jesus did. 
We ask, how much money do you make? Jesus asked, how much money do you give? We ask, how high do you climb the corporate ladder? Jesus asked, how low have you gone? We count all the people that report of us. Jesus counts all the people we serve. By the way, Zeke, we don't get to pick and choose the people we serve. Let me remind you, in that group of 12, in that group, John loved him. And he knew it. Well, wasn't it a pleasure to stoop and wash the feet of John, Jesus knowing he loved him? Well, wasn't it something when he got to Peter? He's got a big mouth. He had to argue with him about that a little bit. But finally, Peter said, just wash all of me. Jesus said, no, we're just going to wash your feet. And knowing that that man one day would preach and 3,000 would be saved, could you believe what an honor it was? See, there's going to be people it's an honor to serve. But then he gets to Judas. That sorry, good-for-nothing reprobate that's going to betray him, that's going to sell him out. He served him. I want you to hear me tonight. You don't get to pick and choose the people you serve, that you get to serve. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put in the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him. There's surrender of your power. There's a serving other people. There's a sharing your passion. Listen to the last sentence. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. For three years... For three years, Jesus Jesus had loved these men like no one else had been loved. For three years, Jesus had modeled love for them unlike any that they'd ever seen. Well, let me get Tammy, you go ahead and just take Wyatt. And I'm I'm not trying to be, this is a special night for them. And he's okay. We don't ordinarily do that. Don't you leave and say, baby starts crying out, take him out of service. Don't you die, go home. You go home and lie on me, I'll pray God give you the itch. <laughs> it's a special night for them, and I don't want them to miss it. And he's okay, he's fine. He loves Tammy better than he loves them anyway. That's what they, that's what they said. For three years, Jesus had modeled love for them like anyone had ever seen. School is about out. Jesus is saying his strongest lesson for last. Now he's going to love others. Now... They know if, he, if you're going to love others, the towel has to come off the rack. It has to get in your hand. You have to use it to serve others. And Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I've done unto you. Not something I want you to learn. He said, this is not a lesson I want you to learn. He said, no, you don't learn this one. He said, you got, you got to get the towel. Isn't it amazing? Let me, let me illustrate this for you this way, and then I want to illustrate it one last way. I, I gave every dollar I had to the, to the offering. Somebody got a dollar. Praise God. Some of these tight white anyway, Okay. Isn't it amazing? Now I'll get your attention. Everybody will wake up now. 
Matter of fact, I may give it away. It's not my dollar. Every day we carry around in our pocket a picture of someone who lived this out. He is recognized as the most famous recognized piece of paper on the planet. Who is on the front of this dollar bill? Isn't it amazing? Everybody knows who George Washington is. But do you know why he's on the face of a dollar bill? He's a man who established the American Republic. He led the Revolutionary Army to defeat the most powerful nation in the world. He served as the first president of our country. But that's not why he is on the face of a dollar bill. Here's why. He spent all of his life surrendering his power, serving other people, and showing his passion. When he was elected president of the United States, he refused to let people make him king. He's the only man who's ever been elected unanimously the first time and the second time. And when he comes the third time, he, he, he refused a third term. After the Revolutionary War was over, George Washington had become the most famous and most admired man in the world. He could have established himself as a king. He could have been a dictator. And no one else would have said a word. King George III... Asked the American painter, Benjamin West, what's Washington going to do now that he's out of office? Benjamin West said, from what I've heard, he's going to return to his farm. King George said, wow, if he does that, he will be the greatest man in the world. But there was one that was greater than George Washington. Truly, there was one that was great. Tonight, I'd like to illustrate it for you this way. I'd ask, Jake, I would like you to come up. All right. I want you just to stand up here so everybody can see you. You stand right here for me, please, sir. I'm going to ask Brother Ronnie and Matthew, and then I'm going to ask... Uh, uh, Joey and uh, George and, and and these fellas to stand over here, uh, and I want you just to stand stand up here and facing this crowd. Tonight, there's a qualification. Ezekiel, we ordain you as a deacon. I need to remind all of us something, not just you. The moment you can't do this, whether it's a pastor or a deacon or Sunday school teacher or a bus worker, whatever it is, you need to do God and us both a favor and just give it up. Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, He stooped. He washed their feet. And when we cannot do this, we're done. Dirty feet too, I'll tell you that. 
When we cannot do this. When you believe your position is greater than this, then you are done doing anything for God. You're done. There's a lot of things about a deacon. We're going to give Zika a new Bible and present him with certificates. But Zeke, if God don't have your heart and you can't do that, then you're done. But not only him, but that goes to the rest of these fellows. So I've done something tonight not to take away from Zeke. But I want to remind these fellows something. No, somebody could help me here. Amen. Servant leadership. It shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, then be your minister. And whosoever be chief among you, let be your servant. Is even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but a minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Never lose the heart of a servant, and it has a towel. See, these men may have thought they had a position, but they're men of the towel. I give them a towel to remind them. I hope you'll always remember. These fellows here are not deacons, but you know what? They still need to be the heart of a servant. And when we lose the ability to be a heart of a servant, we've lost the ability. Fellas, I, I want you to put that in a place. I want you to put that in a place to where you can constantly be reminded that God said, I want you to have the heart of a servant. Let's give these men a hand. All right. All right. Gentlemen, you can be seated. Let's all stand to your feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed. Fellas, you can be 